This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Lou Roberts. This is Tyrese Campbell. And you're listening to the Every Step Along The Way podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to this very latest episode of Every Step Along The Way. Now, I think we're in for a good one tonight. Settle yourselves in. Uh, Mark's going to join us later, uh, but we have got two of our very special guests on with us tonight. So we have a pod. What would you describe yourself, Tom? Jack of all trades. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and obviously podcast uh, third voice or regular Ben Rowley is also joining us. Hot on the heels of a 4-2 defeat away at Loftus Road. Uh, much controversial, a lot to digest. And I think we're going to maybe even talk about the bigger picture in all this as well. Um, ben, how are you, mate? This isn't Black Friday, this is Bleak Friday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling pretty despondent. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm fed up. I'm, I, and I know that sounds silly after, you know, our amazing five game unbeaten run, and we should be, you know, quite grateful that we've got somewhere relatively quickly with this squad. But what we've seen in the last two games, not, not even on a results basis, but just what's, what's happened is completely inexcusable. You know, the the 60 minutes against Blackburn where we couldn't even have the balls to break them down. And then I don't care if we had nine men on the pitch to be 2-1 up with 10 minutes to go then to concede three goals is tragic. And the way that they were conceded were tragic as well. Um, And I just... (laughs) It feels like the the more we change at Stoke, the more things stay the same, and I I I don't know what else we can do because it feels like we're going to be seventeenth forever. Yeah, I've noticed we've slipped back into that nice fourteenth and seventeenth range, haven't we? Just can't <laughs> just can't shake it off. <laughs> no. Um, Tom, uh, obviously I know. Um, and I I know what you're going to say, but you want to tell the listeners um, how are you? How are you feeling after that QPR match? Um, I'm the same as Ben, mate. I've literally just given up now. I've got no energy. I've got no hope. And I'm just deflated. And I've just, once again, come to accept that we're a bottom half team and that's where we're going to stay, in all honesty. Um, On the back of what Ben said, I know we had 10 men. I know the ref had a blinder. But to be... 2-1 2-1 up with 10 minutes to go and then them substitutions are made and we lose 4-2 against QPR who've not won a tournament I can't remember how many games it was but nah <laughs> it's the most stoked thing ever I know we're charity FC but that has taken it to another level You mentioned the subs there do you think 
do you think he had much um, choice? I mean, what would you have done differently to those substitutions then? Because I think, personally, I liked the actual changes he did make. I thought they made sense. The only one I would have done is, personally, I think Ryan Mai was blowing out of his backside about 15 minutes before he came off. And I think he literally got to the point, he was exhausted. He was literally just dangling a leg onto him like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> And I don't know why he didn't spot that. And especially when you've got ten men, you need you need a presence up front, don't you? Otherwise, you are in trouble. You're just going to be repelling constant attacks. For me, Wesley should have come on about fifteen minutes before that, before he actually did. But I mean, I don't know, what 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 were your thoughts on obviously you know more in depth thoughts on on the subs itself? Yeah, Ryan Mai should have been off. Everyone could see that he was gassed out. He was holding his leg. He was cramped up. And he left him out there for another 15 minutes, which I think is pretty ironic considering a few days before the manager was having a pretty big rant about the fans questioning where Mai was and why he's not starting ahead of Gale. Um, but I digress. Um, Ty and Bay coming off. No. Um, if you're going to take one of them off, I get Ty's only just come back. If you want to take Ty off, okay. But you don't, you don't take Bay off. They were the only two players that were actually creating something. And like you say, as soon as them two came off, the attacking threat has gone. Wes has stood up, up top on his own when we've seen multiple times this season. He's up there with four players around him and we still can't make anything happen. So how's he going to do something on his own? Um, if he was going to take them off, and he wanted to defend it out and see the game out, there should be another defender on the pitch. Go five at the back. Not. No. <laughs> the subs were wound me up. It was ridiculous. He said the defence there, like maybe, stick it, maybe put Michael Rose on or something. I mean, one defender we did bring on uh, was good old Henry wanted, Keanu Hoover. And uh, that yeah, didn't quite work out, did it? I mean, what, what was he playing at for that third goal, exactly? Do you know what? When I watched it, I knew he made a mistake and he should have got rid of it. When I've watched it back and I've seen the fact that he tried to backheel the ball out of his own box when he's stood on the touchline, it's absolutely mental. Like, what? Like, I know he isn't the most gifted defender, but that is, that's another level of bad. Um, but like you say, you could have brought Rose on. Um I probably would have brought one of the front three off because he had everybody back anyway, so you may as well get more defensive power and players who can actually defend rather than bringing on attackers and then getting them to defend. It's it's just, yeah. I think yeah, the issue that I've had for a while is that we're so lackadaisical. Like, it's not just Hoover who's done it, you know, for the last five or six games how many times has he passed straight to an opposition defender and there's no excuse for that Ash just lazy and being unaware um, and he, and unfortunately he did it again yesterday and that's what cost us um, but Pearson just clearing his lines and getting it completely wrong yesterday as well Kieran Clark what the hell was he doing putting people straight through on goal Michael Rose has been doing it as well um, what's the common thing it, it it's it's got to be bad coaching, hasn't it? It's got to be because it's just you know the you look at Blackburn, and I get that you know they've had their squad maybe for a, a year longer under uh, under Thomason than than what Neil's had with the big turnover, but they look so well drilled 
every player knew where the other was going to be. And bar perhaps Sunderland, we've not really looked drilled at all. And it's really disappointing that there's no partnerships going. Players look really confused when, you know, we're going to concede goals after four minutes or 11 minutes or whatever it's been in the last few games. The, the once that happens, the game plan's gone, and then the players don't know what to do. They don't know where each other's going to be. I know it doesn't help with having to change the lineup all the time, but no wonder we're not able to have any attacking threat because there's no chemistry. There's no chemistry at all. And like I say, it, particularly against Blackburn, there was no urgency, none at all. Um, and uh, admittedly, I wasn't able to watch the game against QPR, but um, you know, like it may sound like we did all right, but that defending in the last ten minutes, when you know, you think of Stoke teams of old and they defend for their lives, and you know, haven't got time to bleed and all this nonsense, saw very little of that. You, you say obviously, like uh, saying Blackburn, they've had a lot longer together. I mean, QPR can't say that, can they? They've they've had a manager. This is always his fourth game. Uh, with a completely different style to Gareth Ainsworth uh, before him, but I mean, do, do you think when you look at Blackburn how they played there, and you say that you know the managers had an extra twelve months with that squad of players to get them playing that way? Do you think in time Alex Neil would have Stoke playing that way? If he's as good as manager as he thinks he is, then yeah. <laughs> but I think that's the question. Is he? He's had some cracking results here, um, but I've seen very little, especially in terms of consistency, to prove that he was even worth sacking Michael O'Neill for. Particularly when we knew that we were going to get a bit of a war chest to play around with this summer. Um, you know, the Coates family have wanted Alex Neil in for a long time to lead this rebuild, um, and I think Coates has had he. You know, part of the attraction was, you know, he he plays the style of football that Stoke fans should like. Um, it's been tragic sometimes. Some of the way that we built up, some of the way that we've defended. Um, you know, the lack of creativity is god awful sometimes. Um, I've been looking at what Potalytics is posting out at the moment, and our um, our expected goals for is. The declining game on game at the moment to to levels we've not seen before, and you can see it with the eye test. We're just not able to create a chance. Um, you know, we've we've been very lucky to have scored some of the goals that we have scored in recent times, and then last four games, you know, we've not scored many at all. Well, the previous three before QPR, we didn't score at all, did we? And did we look like scoring? Not really. Will we be like that? Yeah, I think we could be. But is it worth sticking with Alex Neal or not? That's the question. I'm not saying that he should go today, but is he going to turn us into a team like 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 Blackburn were? And and by all counts have been tonight. They've just beat Birmingham 4-2. Um, are we going to see a team like that in 12 months' time? Because if we don't think we are, we've got a twist. I don't think, I mean, there was a few people yesterday saying, you know, Alex Neal out and all that when they were, um, I went mean, sort of a couple of group chats. It was quite funny. At 1-0 down, it was Alex Neal out. At 2-1 up, they were praising him. And then when Mamosuzu went 3-2, it was Alex Neal out again. <laughs> Should we be, be able to look further down, further into the future and, and maybe see where we're going with this? 
Um, <clears throat> so if it, <laughs> if I'm speaking honestly, I've I've come to the end of my tether. I'm not going to lie. Um, listen, the the five games that we won beaten, it it gave me hope back and gave me confidence in him. Um, but it's just same story, different season. We play the big teams, we get results, and then we play teams such as QPR and lose. And it's just a recurring theme. And I know we say it's too much too soon, but I mean, his record speaks for itself. It was 18 wins in 58 games. He's got a worse win percentage than Gary Rowett did and worse than what Martin O'Neill did as well. Um, I looked at, I can't remember what the numbers were. I looked at it last night as well. And I think he's lost nearly 50% of the games he's been in charge. A 50% is absolutely mental. And any other manager at any other club losing half the games would be out the door, especially when probably half of the home games have been lost. The home, like, the, our home ground has always been one of them grounds where people hate to come. And at the minute, it's, it's a day out for them because they know they're going to get some. The chances of them getting some is 50-50 because we lose half the games. It's just we've got no identity. It doesn't feel like we've got any. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm. I'll be honest. I am probably the sole the sole voice here, who's still very much behind the manager. Like when people, I saw somebody earlier on say that you know the the record since we got relegated was this and. Since we got relegated, this is the record of how many games we'd won, where we finished in the league, the percentage of games in the last like six years, and you know we've been patient long enough. And I thought, but how is that fair on Alex Neil? You can't just just because we've been like rubbish, you're never going to get anywhere if you if you go well between 2018 and 2023, we've been absolutely dire. So every time we you know every time we lose, we're going to pull up the record of the last five years and slam the manager with it, even though he's only been here for the last 20% of that time. Now, granted, the 20% of the time he has been here, as you just stated there, hasn't been the best results-wise. But last season, we were all understanding about the FFP restrictions. We were all understanding the squad he had. Michael O'Neill had, had done his best over the summer last year to get a squad in, but it was a very young and experienced squad. Um with a couple of real old, probably over-the-hill heads in there as well. And he was working on a really tight budget, and I think everyone sort of understood that. Everyone then goes into the summer, and you get a load of players in, and everyone says they're going to need time to gel. And then six games, eight games in, people want to know why they haven't fully gelled. Oh, well, yeah, I said, I said time to gel. I didn't mean very long, though. <laughs> and I just think, so if I criticise him for the things that have happened before he even got here... It's unfair to um, criticise him really on last season when we all said last season that it was a bit of a write-off and we judge him on this season. And then as soon as things maybe turn sour this season, everyone like, involves everything from last year. It just seems to me to be a bit a bit unfair. Do you know I mean? Like, we all accepted at the time of where we were last year. And it's I think, to be honest, I, I think the same with Michael O'Neill happened in when he ended his season, everybody said the year before about how you know it, how um, 
what, what the situation we'd been in that season. You know, it was unfair to judge him. And then as soon as we started the season after with a couple of results, well, we haven't won in, we haven't won since March or we've only won one in 12 games or something. I was like, yeah, but I thought, I, I thought we accepted that that was completely different. It just seems as soon, like I say, as soon as things go sour, everyone piles in. So I don't know what you guys think of that. I, I get where you're coming from completely. And, uh... Of course, we're going to need time to gel and all this and and results. Unfortunately, sometimes you just don't get the results. We could have played an absolute blinder last night. And and because the referee was giving penalties for them and not for us and sending our players off, we may never have won that game. But think of the four issues that we've had. In, In my opinion, the four issues that we've had over the last five, six years. Really persistent injuries not being able to create very much up front defensively some of the errors defensively have been absolutely shocking and not being able to come back from a goal down as in when we concede it's pretty much heads go down we've seen so little improvement in those areas at last don't know how long has it been now 14 15 months under nail there have been flashes you know bristol city was a decent comeback hell even yesterday when going down to town to 10 men to go back to 2-1 i showed some balls um but you know those those four issues there the defending the attacking <laughs> the injuries and the and and the mindset and the mentality to come back from adversity, none of it seems to be improving consistently. I can't see where the improvement is at all. I really can't because I get the result. I'm not expecting us to be a top six team. Hell, I'd have been pleased with a top half finish this season. But having said that, I do expect to see something consistently just one thing just to improve long term and i can't i can't see it at all because at the moment it seems to be whatever we're capable of at the moment those those three wins we had is that just pure luck i don't know so you're you're just looking for progress as long as you can see progress that's all any fans after sure isn't it any any rational fan is going to be after Mm. some sort of progress because we've not seen any for six years we've seen decline and we need something to keep us going something to get behind um and uh, and loads just as long as you can see the ship is being turned and steered in the right direction and i think the only improvement that we've seen is off the pitch whether it be the media stuff and the marketing stuff or whether it be the way we deal with transfers now and, and, and that sort of thing. Off off the pitch, it's been excellent. But in terms of, you know, the players and the coaching, I, I've, I'm, I'm losing faith that they are going to be able to turn it around. It, like I say, it's not as if it's not been good enough or that I'm scared we're going to go down. I just think it, it, it's just not going to get any better. I'd, I'd love to be proved wrong. And maybe over time we will get better for the reasons that we mentioned about gelling and, you know, getting a couple more players, you know, a left back with mobility will be really useful. A striker that doesn't break down every three games will be useful. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's very hard to find anything tangible to cling on to. So, listen, I was all for this time, time for the team to gel. And that, that was, you know, he was the truth. They didn't need time to gel. Um, however, I'm not 
I'm not buying that anymore, in all honesty. Um, so I've just got it up on my phone. We're averaging the same amount of points per game this season as what we were last year under Neil. So the whole, we can't count last year because we had a bad squad. <laughs> We've now got, you know, on paper it's a good squad and we're averaging exactly the same as what we were last year. And on top of that, Earlier on in the season where he's changing formation every game, he's got a centre-mid playing left-back. And then, to top that off, he's then starting Dwight Gale for four games in a row. It's... I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not buying that it needs time, and I don't think it's going to change, in all honesty. Um, he's playing players who are out of form. Everybody knows that DJ and Hoover shouldn't have been starting. And he didn't start yesterday, granted to them. Um... But it that that should have come before then. And against Blackburn, DJ nowhere to be seen. Hoover giving away balls can't ha- handle the defensive side of things. And I think there's there's just too many things now piling on top of each other where you can't say it needs time anymore. When you look at um, oh, Michael's joined us, uh, Mark, you're right. Obviously, Alex Neal said on Saturday, he was interviewed after the game, and he said, to get where you want to be first, you have to like, understand and accept where you're coming from and where you're currently at. Otherwise, it makes it a lot more difficult to get where you want to be. When he was there, it was a question about the fans sticking with him and sort of fans' expectations. Do you think that the fan base maybe still believe that we are further down the line than we actually are? Not at all. Not at all. Like On the back of what I've just said, we're not expecting promotion. We're not expecting to walk the league. Like Ben said, we're expecting to see some progress. There's no progress. Like We're, we're literally exactly how we were last year. We're in pretty much the same position. We're averaging the same amount of points per game. We're seeing the same issues. We're still poor at home. We've still got no identity. We just want to see change, you know, progress, positivity, and <laughs> there isn't any. So I, I don't think the fans are expecting too much. If we were 13th, you know, and, you know, you, you're going to lose a game. You, you're going to lose a game, simple as that. But it's just it's just the level of performance. And going back to the three wins, I mean, Leeds, we probably should have lost. They missed the penalty and then we scored from an own goal. I know we came back at the end and obviously started to look lively after the penalty. Um, the Borough game, we played well. Um, Cardiff, we probably should have lost, in all honesty. Um, Coventry, again, we weren't too good. I didn't actually see that game, so I can't give a proper um, dissection on that. But the performances haven't really been good. The only performance I can think of that's been good is Rotherham and Borough. Yes, I mean... When you look at the squad and you look at what he's had and the, and the difficulties had with, with um, obviously you talk about team gelling and things like that, do you not think that maybe injuries, especially in key areas, like if you if you look at that squad in September the first, the transfer window is short, you'd say right, we don't need the goalkeeper to to uh, pick up an injury or be unavailable. You got recalled by Bournemouth. The one position outfield we probably can't do without is the left back. He went and got injured for seven weeks. It's like of all the things that happen, it seems to be the ones that affect us worst are the ones like that have come true. In the summer, 
Yeah, with the start of the season, obviously you've got Ryan Mai, Andre Vidigal, Tyrese Campbell, Jacob Brown. Sell Brown, Campbell's just coming back from injury, picks up another injury, comes back, picks up another injury. Vidigal flies off the season, picks up an injury, comes back, recurrence again, never really been fit again. Ryan Mai starts looking all right, picks up a little bit of a partnership with Vidigal, gets injured in August and barely trains for the next nine weeks, as the manager says. Um, and still looking for full fitness. That's probably his four best attackers all disappeared. Um, now, I know Larice came in for Brown, but again, do you, do, you not, do you think maybe he's been unlucky in that respect as well? Do you, obviously, if those, if, if maybe even two of them four had been available for 90% of the games, we'd be in a much stronger position. There's no doubt that we've been unlucky with the injuries and obviously the Travis situation. But I know you've got the injuries, but again, bringing up Blackburn, you've got that front three starting and you've got four players on the bench who, granted, two are coming back from injury. And, you know, I think we have been unlucky, but at the same time, he's making poor decisions to go alongside that. And at the end of the day I know it's been pretty drastic how bad it's been but we're not we're not the only team who's going through this Blackburn had I think it was 9 or 10 injuries and they pumped us 3-0 at home you, you know then you've got the likes of West Brom who've lost some of the best players they've got so much going on behind the scenes and they're sitting third in the league so I just think there's so many excuses flying around and it's just getting boring in all honesty I think to a point you make your own luck, don't you? I mean, like we complain about Ender Stevens being injured, but we let but we let Josh Tyman go on deadline day. Um, we complain about Travers going back um, to his parent club for him to sit on the bench because their goalkeeper was injured for two weeks. But we sign a goalkeeper on loan, and what's left is a goalkeeper which clearly Alex Neal doesn't trust. Um, because you know his search for goalkeeper was number one priority in the summer, and essentially a player coach that we've admitted on this podcast before is is never going to see the light of day. You make your own luck. Um, the the forward situation. The, I thought the whole point of us signing a load of forwards was that we we have got cover and we have got two players per position. Um, I'm not saying that tactically they're right for every game, um, but I go back to the point that. We can beat Leeds, we can beat Sunderland, we can beat Borough, and in some cases we did it quite well. So where's the consistency in being able to break teams down effectively? There isn't. The, uh, the only consistency is that whenever a team plays a low block, we can't deal with it. We just cannot deal with it at all. And you know, I think it'd be far fetched to say that the only players that are able to break down a low block in our squad are injured, that's that that that's a really poor excuse because we're going to go down, what, 50% of games we're probably going to concede first, maybe more. So we're going to be facing a, a low block one every two games, maybe more. We can't sit here and, you know, Neil was complaining at the weekend about, oh, well, Blackburn sat in against us normally. They're really attacking. Yeah, because they know that we're crap at defending our, <laughs> attacking against a low block. They're going to play against our our weaknesses. So I, I he's he, he's made a rod for his own back. 
to a degree. Yeah, I think I said the other day, to me, Blackburn did it perfectly tactically. They came flying out the blocks. They showed us in that first 10 minutes exactly what they were capable of doing with the quick interchanges, spreading the play out wide um, to the, obviously that you know, pace that they had up front. Uh, they created you know three or four really good chances or you know, possible good chances, uh, including obviously the, the tackle that led to the corner they scored off. And then they went in front, they changed the formation, put an extra man defence, sat in, and Stoke then, like like we sort of said before, didn't we, Ben, they played 75 minutes of passing it sideways because they were terrified of giving the ball away because they'd seen what Blackburn were capable of. So it was like, OK, we're not, I'm not going to play that forward pass because if we lose it, I do think we might be a bit of bother behind here. <laughs> um um, but but at the same time, you've got to marry that up with taking chances because you've ideally you've got to score two goals because you want to win your home games. So when you want to down, you've you've got to be looking to score twice. So you've got to take risks. Evening, chaps. Um, so I, you know, I've been listening to what you've been uh, saying. Um, I mean, I think to be quite frank, you all make bloody good points, and I'm kind of sat here. A little bit confused as to what I think, if I'm honest. Um, I think of some of that Ben said, like we talked about, you make your own luck. And I, I do totally agree. You know, we want we signed 17, 18 players. Um, we've all talked about Jack Bonham not being good enough. There's no secret there. So, yeah, you put all your eggs in a basket with, with Travers and hope he doesn't get injured or whatever, and you leave yourself short. So I think that's... Alex Neal's fault uh, for not recognising he didn't have a suitable number two. Uh, 100% agree on the Josh Timer situation. Yeah, Josh wasn't great after his injury when he came back, but he is still back up. Like to leave ourselves that open and, you know, let the likes of Morgan Fox go, who, again, wasn't great, but at least he could play there. Um, there's, 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 it's all been in his control, and I just think it's been a little bit short-sighted. It's almost been like we just need to go and find as many attackers as we can, um, and let's just hope we score more than we concede. It feels like that was almost the the mindset. Um, I, I also think that he hasn't helped himself, what Tom was saying about you know selections. We've talked about it numerous times. He has not helped himself with selections. Why the hell Dwight Gale was ever brought back into the fold? Because the guy can run. And I've said several times, Dan, I don't give a crap if he can run. Every player, professional player, should be able to run as long as they're told to run. That's not an, an excuse to put somebody into a team. We've got players who can play on the wing. You can't have Vidigal on a bench when you've got Dwight Gale in the first 11. You can't have stuff like that. Christ, Tyrese, whoever. There's there's so many other options we could have had against you know against Blackburn that you could have had in there instead of Gale. Gale last season proved time and time and time again he hasn't got the ability in this division. He's not had the ability for a few years. So why do you carry on persisting with him? I think the thing that gets people's backs up is that Alex, I think he is a good manager. I really do think he is a good manager. I think he struggles with a plan B, and that's not the first time we've had a manager who struggles with a plan B. Um, he, he's, he's, I think tactically he can be great. I just don't, I don't know if he even knows his best 11 still, even at this point. I don't think he knows it. Um, and I just think that means that it's all very, um, we get an injury and it's all, all over the place. 
you know, it's it's kind of putting the square pegs and round holes situations again. I, I think there's a number of problems with this team, largely caused by him. But also, I, I'm not giving up on him just yet. I do think there's a good manager in there. Um, the problem he's going to have now, and I said this to you on the last pod, if he loses at Plymouth and Sheffield Wednesday have picked up a draw against Leicester tonight, so they're going to be buzzing. So if he goes and loses against Plymouth and if Sheffield Wednesday beats us at the weekend, we are in serious trouble because I desperately think that the atmosphere after Sheffield Wednesday will be as bad as we've heard it for a long time because that would have been six, six, seven games where um, we should have picked up maybe 15 plus points and we might have ended up picking up three. Not many managers, in your own words, Dan, will survive that. So <laughs> a, a lot to digest, but I think um, he's going to have to turn this around whichever way. If he can get to January and sign another couple of players, get Travis back, maybe that will will save save his Stoke career, I think, because finishing below 16th would be an absolute catastrophe for him, I think. Right, so let's round off the Neil chat sort of for now. Where are you? I'll, I'll go first. I am very much Neil in, as much as the abuse that may bring me from people listening to this. <laughs> um, I think he has got his faults at the minute. There is things we need to improve on. But I saw there was enough positivity for me last night. The team selection, the way we were attacking, the way we played... And we'll sort of get more into sort of actually that game a bit more now. Uh, but yeah, for me, I definitely see enough to pursue going forward with him. I still would like to see him to at least, you know, see out the season and see where he is uh, before I really properly judge him. Again, I would like, like you said as well, though, I would like to see a bit of, you know, a bit more sort of promise of this is what we're going to get. And I think the positives need to become more regular as the season goes on, uh, rather than just three games, then you miss three or four months before you play well again. Ben, where exactly, if you had to put yourself down now, where what are you thinking, where are you standing? Um, I hate second managers. I I really do. Even when we like people like Rowett and Jones go, I didn't even really want them to go. Same with Michael O'Neill. I just I I just hate changing manager because I, I I think one it accepts a failure, and two the grass isn't always greener, etc. etc. You're tearing up the plan that you've laid for the last x amount of months or years, and you're starting all over again. And I don't think we can afford to start all over again. Um, so to that point, I'm Alex Neil in, but that is not because of Alex Neil. <laughs> that is because of I. I just think we've got to stick it out, and like you say, as much as it pains me to say, it, given the season, in in the hope that the squad gels a little bit more, and our luck turns a little bit. But yeah, it, it's it, it's it's nothing to do with Neil. If he was sacked tomorrow. I wouldn't be particularly upset. Fair enough. Tom? So, (laughs) um, what I'm going to say is, which is a difference to the last couple of sackings, um, 
in my opinion, I think we've got the squad now where if a new manager did come in, he wouldn't have to start again. He's going to bring a couple of his own players in, of course. But I, I, I genuinely think if another manager came in, they could do something with this team. It's, it's clearly a better team than we've had for a while. It's not perfect. There's still places that need sorting out. Um, and it's not the team that's making me this angry. It's Neil and his stupid decisions. To that point, I'll happily eat my words, but I'm not going to because I know exactly what's going to happen over the coming weeks. Um, I'm Neil out. Okay, so just before we get to Mike and see where Mike is, with the with the Neil out, is there anybody you would like to see? You think is there right now? You say he should be the man they should go for. Now, before you answer, I've seen people say John Eustace, enough John Eustace. I think John Eustace is a good coach. I like John Eustace as a coach. However, that would be the most stoke appointment I could possibly find because it goes again. It's exactly what they did when they went from Rowett to Jones, from Jones to O'Neill. It's going from one end of the spectrum to the other. It's like, oh, we'll let this guy recruit for this style and play in this way. And then we'll sack him and we'll appoint somebody who plays a completely different style of football and hand him a squad that's been recruited for, like I say, the complete opposite. That's where we would be if we brought John Eustace in. He's like, oh yeah, we brought 18 players in the summer to play this, now. hopefully play this sort of expansive football and we'll get the ball down, we'll knock it around, or you know, sort of pretty on the eye. It's not quite worked out. Um, so yeah, John, you 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 play a bit more pragmatic, don't you? A bit more direct, but you you'll be all right, won't you, with this? Or I tell you what, we'll buy you, we'll get you another 15 players in the next summer. Don't worry about it. That's we've sort of been down that road already, haven't we? So. As much as good as a coach he is, people like that, he needs to be a manager who is playing how Alex Neal in his head would like to see us play now. Yeah, to be honest, I I haven't looked at what managers are actually available. At the end of the day, we usually go for a manager that's already got a team and end up buying them out. Um, Eustace is not the answer, I agree. Um, it's completely different type of football. It's the football that the fans don't like watching. I know results is everything, but we were complaining about managers in the past when they play hoofball, so no, not that. Um, my thing is, <laughs> I know, the only thing that's making me think that this could happen is Jared Dublin, who's head of recruitment. Um, I think the team we've got at the minute is perfect for a young former manager to come in and do something with. And I think with Jared being head of recruitment, that could happen. We've seen it with the players. The players over the last five, four or five years has been British and nothing else. And this season, we've obviously signed a lot of players from overseas. And I think the next manager could come overseas as well. Because I'm sure Jared's got a few managers in his little notebook. I reckon he could poach somebody from the Uzbekistan Reserve League Division (laughs) 2. Somebody you know is there. Tom took the words out of my mouth. Like, uh, it'd be a Jared Dublin international buffet <laughs> special, you know, like name a cuisine and, and he'll pick a manager from it. it like, it, it'd be someone that we haven't even heard of. And you know what? That's perhaps the step change we need. 
know. How many so, times have we seen it work over the recent years, though? Yeah, uh, and and how little has a manager with reputation and experience worked for us? In so the last I, four or five times, it hasn't, has it? Yeah, I, I read earlier on. I think the last the last British manager to and this is winning the league. I know we're not going to win the league, but the last British manager to win the league was like 2015, Sean Dash. <laughs> so, uh, you know, he kind of tells its own story and. If it is some random, you know, what QPR have done, they've, they brought a, a Spanish coach in from, is it Denmark? I think it was something yeah, like he's that. Been, he's been in Scandinavia and season. Exactly, yeah. And how many times is it? Even, was it Graham Potter? I know he, he's English, but he was abroad. He got brought he back. Brought yeah, nobody really knew that how good of a coach he was. And then, you know, look, look what, what happened. Um that name as well. That name needs to. People need to get that idea. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> you know. I was chuckling. Some people are genuinely, genuinely convinced that he's come. It's like <laughs> Chelsea to Stoke. I don't think so. Yeah. If anything, he's holding out for like the England job in the summer. That's my. Yeah. I, that's my theory. I he's think holding he out for Southgate to leave in the summer. Yeah, I do as well. Uh, Mike, where do you sit? <laughs> um. Okay, I'm Alex Neil in, and the the reason for that, and this is, I don't know, I, don't, I feel awkward almost saying this, right? Um, me and Ben have met John Coates on a number of occasions. Uh, I really like the guy. Uh, he when he speaks to him about football, he talks a lot of sense. Um, and you know, we brought in, as you said, you know, Jared Dublin. We brought in. Um, Obviously, a number of kind of you know COOs and all that, so non technical non technical directors. You know, we 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 know we like them. Uh, again, the videos we put out there, I think the other week uh, with Ricky Martin. I like Ricky Martin. I think he's a good guy. Um, my worry, the real I'm in, I don't trust John to make the right decision um, on manager at the minute. And the only reason I'm saying that is not because he's probably not capable. I, I just think the structure we have as a club is wrong. Um, I think we need to have a structure where it doesn't make a blind bit of difference who the manager is. This is how we play. We've talked about this before. This is how we play. So whether you're a Tony Pulis or whether you're a random foreign manager from the Uruguayan second division, it makes absolutely no difference. This is how we play and you, you recruit for a manager for that style of play. And I think the problem with John and everyone else is that they hire for, you know, English, Scottish, Irish, you know, the typical standard structure and let a manager come in and change absolutely everything, which as we've said before, means you rip up the notebook every single time and you go again. And, you know, if Alex leaves, does he take the head of recruitment with him? Does he take Ricky Martin with him? Does Simon King decide that he doesn't want to work with whoever comes in? John, there's there's so many variables now. How much of them decisions have been John Coates' decisions and how much of them have been Alex Neal's decisions? We won't actually know. So I don't want to start from scratch yet again because that's going to put us back two, three, four years again. And before you know it, we've spent 15 years in this league at a drop of a hat. Um, so I'm in in the fact that I'm blind loyalty and the fact that I just hope it changes and we accidentally stumble across something that works or he figures out and he's 
proved us all wrong in you know twelve months time. Um, I just don't trust us to make the right decisions right now in the structure in which we we operate under. So I think that's got to be the way down. Unfortunately for me at the minute, mate, it's got to be in, in hope it works. <laughs> yeah, in because if it works, that's the best option. <laughs> that's the best way. If you remember pre-season when um, John, Alex Neal and Ricky Martin did that little um, meet the fans type thing, um, one of the questions which I actually laughed at at the time <clears throat> was basically along these lines, uh, the facts that if Alex was to go, are we in a position where a manager can come in and kind of take over the squad? Because um, I think one of the fans who asked the question was worried that this case would happen, where if Alex did have full control of everything, if he then left, would everything just crumble? Um, and I John asked that I, question, by the way, Tom. Uh, was it you? That was well, my there, question. there you go, then. Yeah, and I, think I, I, John think put, said, I don't think I put my real name on it, actually, but yeah, um, it was me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. But yeah, I think... Um, I think John actually said, like, the way they're doing it now is the fact that if Alex was to leave, that it's kind of a platform for another manager to come in and kind of, you know, take everything over and it's not going to be drastic change like we've seen over recent years. I'll try to find the video after because I can't remember the exact words, uh, but that stuck with me the whole way through all this process because I have been worried for the same facts that I don't trust John to bring in the right replacement. Um, but that has always lingered in the back of my head as a positive. Proof will be in the pudding, Tom. That's basically what it'll be, mate, because we've got no precedent. We've got to trust that that is the new way. And if it is, then great. Then they're they're delivering the structure that we all want to see. But until we see that, we'll never know, I suppose. Right. So we've been talking now for about roughly an hour, and we've barely really talked about the QPR. (laughs) (laughs) So, is that a bad thing? Um, uh, to be honest, I don't know what you think, Tom. I think there were a lot of positives to take out that match. Now, losing 4-2 to a team who hadn't won at home since March, uh, uh, bet, you know, hadn't won in, I think, was it 11 games or something, and sitting real well established in that bottom three in the league. That, to me, doesn't sound like a very positive result. But I think, to me, I, I, there were a lot of things I took out of it. I was like, actually, yeah. I think we can work with that. I think that's an improvement. Notably going forward. Yeah, like I say, I think up until them substitutions, I thought we looked better. Even when we, when we went down to 10 men, I think I sent a message and said, do they look better than what they did before we got sent off? He just kind of fired them up and obviously we scored the goal, Berger's goal. Um, but yeah, if you compare it to the Blackburn game, performance a million times better. I think Bayer's a 10. I think he looks cracking. Um, what we've been crying out for the whole time, but guarantee John Tuttle start against Plymouth on Saturday. Um, I thought Ty looks very sharp considering he's just come back from injury and how I've got, down I've he got some good news for, I've, I've got some good news for you, Tom. Go on. Johnson suspended for Saturday. Ah, there you have got about that. He's picked up his fifth yellow. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Gale is a 10 then. <laughs> um, but yeah, Don't I think... Wear it. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. Um, but I think Ty looks amazing in all honesty um, he didn't obviously he didn't blow your socks off but considering he's just come back from injury and how he did look pretty poor before the injury um, I think he looked really good um, I think Mike did alright um, but he just got gassed out didn't he um, 
and then he ends up just ball watching because I, I think he genuinely didn't have the energy to run anymore. Um, Vidigal was missing again, which is a little bit concerning. Um, I thought Gooch was all right. I don't, I don't think Clark obviously that that pass. Jesus, and I want to give praise to Bonham again, to be honest, which I don't, <laughs> I don't want to do because I really don't trust the guy. But two mistakes we made, and he pulled off a cracking save both times on one-on-one situations. So it could have been six-two by the end of it. Yeah, I think you've there. You've named probably half the starting lineup as people who had good games. And I think that sort of shows as much as the result was, and you know, you look at it on paper and think you know, that that is terrible. I think. You like, like I was saying before, there are positives to take out. I agree with you. I thought Campbell was our best player that we had on the pitch. Um, and that's not because we love him and because we, we always dig him up on here. I genuinely thought that he was the most threatening player we had. And I thought he looked the sharper last night than he had done for a long time. Um, he was creating chances. He was linking up with uh, John Ho. I thought he had a great game as in the middle. Like I said, uh, Vidigal again was he sort of like I say could have been involved a lot more. I thought he was very quiet. Um, hopefully, you know he's just going to work himself back into a bit of a bit of form with his fitness improving. Yeah, and I was going to say I thought Ryan Mai played well as well, led the line a lot better than Dwight Gale's been doing. I thought Wyatt Berger as well midfield. I thought he, going forward, he he can be a real asset for midfield in this in this league and to this team. Like I say, we lost that the penalty. Andy Stevens will you will never see a player get sent off for two weaker bookings than what he picked up last night. The first one, I just I couldn't see couldn't see what the the penalty was given for. Uh, I don't think anyone really appealed for it, did they? He just decided that that was it. Bit of a short, yeah, give you give a penalty for that. Bit of a shit tug, yellow card. Um, we like I say, we we were. Having more of the possession up before the goal. Uh, again, we were susceptible to being broken against, which is when Bonham came in, like he said, made a couple of good saves. He made an absolute pearl of a save, didn't he? One on one to stop it going 2 0. And then straight away, you know, we went down the other end. Campbell went through one on one, forced a corner. We've equalised from the corner, Ryan Mai. And we went into half time, and we say we deserve we deserve to be in front of half time. You know, we had controlled that game. It was only a, a dodgy penalty and a dodgy real real bad ref call there, and then he compounds that. He doubles it up because after after the break, he sends Stevens off for the most ridiculous thing. How he he, he sees that as a as a foul, that a yellow card, it's beyond me. Um, you know, his fourth red card. He's given Stoke in eight games. I mean, come on. What is going on here with him? And James Lane team, you should hang your head in shout. I don't like calling referees out. They've got a tough job, but that he is as an absolute nightmare. And you don't mind if he's bad for both sides, he's just having a bad day at the office, but he just didn't seem like that. He, he was he there was seven or eight yard cards, and you could see the frustration. It's actually to prevent if anything, it fired Stoke up because you saw you saw then um the players they were they were sort of galvanised by that red card and the unjustness of what had happened, and they really sort of they stepped it up again a couple of levels, and you could see that they play for each other as well, which is a positive. And like I say, we went two one up. We deserved to be in front with ten men, and we were still bossing the game, weren't we? It was only really the last say ten fifteen minutes 
we just the legs started to go and the, the one saw I think I said it earlier on Wesley should have come on for my earlier Myers he completely gone but you got like I say the front three he replaced and he obviously dropped he, Henry came on for uh, Vinigal and we obviously because we needed an extra man defence Gooch switched over to the left and um, but then obviously that meant more running for the front two. Campbell come on, he replaced him. Uh, Larice come on with his energy. Wesley, like I say, he should have come on earlier. Um, I don't know if I'd have took Berger off. I thought although he was on a yellow, I thought he was he was doing all right to me. I thought he he's a kind of player you can sort of you know help you keep the ball canty and help you sort of make get your players make runs into areas. He, he's he's good at getting the ball, you know, feeding it into those positions. So. I think I probably would have left him on, to be fair, but it's all good in hindsight, isn't it? Dan. Maybe, Dan, with with a bit more experience behind Ryan, I think Ryan probably just should have hit the deck and gone down. Um, you know, fake a bloody injury, whatever. Tell the, you know, the physio, I can't run anymore. You know, maybe take the responsibility, which is ridiculous. Take the responsibility away from the manager and just say, look, I, I'm making this call. I cannot go anymore. I know the player shouldn't have to do that. A manager should be able to see that. Um, clearly, he didn't. But I, I, what you're saying about the referee, I genuinely think there's an agenda there. To have four reds in nine games and to be booking willy-nilly like he did do some of the decisions, um, I imagine that... I know the, the manager will put a report in anyway. They do it as well as the referee. But there's no way that that, that referee is going to ref another match for us this season. Um, I think they'll keep them well away from us and we'll get another apology yet again um, about decisions. But apologies, I mean, I said to, I said to somebody today who would just not follow football and I said, you know, this is what's happened. And he says, well, a, a, an apology is no good. I'm like, absolutely, it's no good. What, what What's an apology do? We've already had seven of them. You carry on making them. Well, don't even bother apologising anymore. We'll just accept that you're completely incapable and we'll just, we'll move on. I mean, the fact that we've had... Have we had, have we had any penalties this season? No, that's it. No, no, we haven't. <laughs> and that's, well, there you go. That's the thing, right? If, if, we'd had, if we'd had four or five not given, but we'd had four or five penalties given as well, then you go, okay, sorry, let's make mistakes. But when we've had none, and this is now, Alex Neal points out of the game, this will be the ninth letter he now gets saying that we should have had a penalty. And... That's compounded also by the red card and the penalty he gave to them, and it's it's funny. I was talking to Walsh earlier on. I said I think we are we possibly could be the two teams in the in the country with the worst refereeing look so far this season when it comes to stuff like that, and because you know, they've had some shockers haven't they, this season, Wolves, and I heard Gary O'Neill speak after Monday night when they had those two bad decisions against Fulham. Um, and he said after the game, he said he's an he's a manager gone into that club, trying to establish himself, and they're on fifteen points. And he worked out that they were seven, I think, points worse off. And he's like, if we have twenty two points, we sit a lot higher in the league than we do with fifteen. He says so. Then that that reflects better on me. He says so. I'm now a manager with fifteen points rather than a manager of twenty two. The squad are a squad of fifteen, not twenty two. He says and if we get relegated because of those decisions, he says people lose their jobs. I, I'll lose my job. He says the people behind the scenes there'll be there'll be cut cutbacks all over the club and people a lot of people will be made redundant. He says and that's all because, not because of what the players have done on the pitch. They've done their job. It's the it's the referees. He says the referees are then going to be the ones 
who are deciding that they, they end up getting relegated and people lose their jobs. And that goes back to the Alex Neal conversation that we've just spent an hour discussing. I don't really want to go back into. But imagine where we would be if we'd had the nine penalties. Now, we might not have scored them all. With Stoke City, of course we wouldn't have done. But even if we'd have scored half a dozen of them nine, we'd have been a lot higher up in the league and we wouldn't be sitting here now talking about um, potentially sacking him. I'm sure that... Is there... Um... It's a bit of unconscious bias going on here. You mentioned about us and Wolves, you know, being on the receiving end. Are our prior reputations working against us here? And the the referees may actually not even be aware that they're making them decisions based on that. Because that's what unconscious bias is all about. Yeah, there's there's two things, right? There's, there's two things that, that you've said before, I think, um, I quite agree that referees, when they're on the way up, if you're in the championship and you want to make your way up, you've got to be able to seem to be not swayed by by outside factors. Whether you make the right decision or the wrong decision, it doesn't matter. But as long as you stick to that decision, and you and I think that we've got a reputation as a crowd and as a club that can uh, make be intimidating to opposition teams and officials, and. I think an official stands a lot from coming out of Stoke and make, oh, but how you give a penalty against Stoke at the bet 365? Well, fair play for that. You know, you had the, you had the balls do that. Well, good on you. I think it's, it's that kind of, yeah, I think the assessors and stuff will think, oh, he, he didn't wilt under pressure there. You know, the crowd were on his back and he carried on going. Um, and I think there's that. And the other thing, I think, is more when you get to the top end of the league, and obviously the refs have already made it there, is I think that, say in Wolves' case, referees know that if they make a decision, if it's a 50-50 decision, and I think VAR's possibly even made this worse, where it should have simplified it, it's possibly even made it worse. Because the standard thing, it's a 50-50 call, and you've got a Jurgen Klopp who's continually moaning. He's in charge of one of the biggest clubs in the world. He's moaning to the press and he's on the back page of the papers constantly. And they're thinking, if I if I make this decision against him, and like I said, I don't even think they're thinking this, but again, your your subconscious comes into play, doesn't it? And you, it's like protecting themselves. All right, if I make this decision against Liverpool, I really could be in big, you know, I'm, I'm going to be dragged through the mud, I'm possibly going to be demoted because there'll be a massive big deal made out of it, they'll be talking about it for days and days and days, and my reputation will be in tatters. Whereas if I give it against Wolves, Gary O'Neill will have a moan, it'll be on, it'll be a tiny corner on the back of one of the papers, they'll be turning in four pages and read five lines about what he said, and nobody will care tomorrow. I completely agree, first of all, in a sense that I think there probably is a little bit of bias maybe not because we're Stoke City and everybody hates us but yeah maybe to make a bit of a point you know uh, Ben Pearson's a great example isn't he you know a player that's notorious for being rough Um, if you look at how many fouls he's made he's not actually made that many fouls Um, even in the Stoke squad he's 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 I'm sure he's not even top 10 for fouls made Um, I saw one point he had six yellows from nine fouls exactly He's, he's getting... Now, don't me wrong. Was it the Preston game? It was completely cynical. He got booked after 60 seconds and it was well-deserved. Completely deserved to get a yard card. But some of them have been completely unjust. And we've had too many decisions where, you know, Wesley gets bullied every time he gets played and there's nothing given against him. Um, Nathan Lowe can push somebody in the back and, you know, it's a free kick to the other team. I, I Whatever's going on, 
it it, it certainly doesn't seem to be swinging in our favour in any game this season. Um, you, you could probably only pick out a couple of games, maybe rather in first game of the season. Um, do I seem to think Bristol City as well, but where maybe we benefited from a couple of good refereeing decisions. Um, but I felt like you know, on on balance, we've absolutely deserved those decisions because of the the atrociousness that we've seen for the last two three months. But I'll go back to the point that I raised. I'll go back to the point that I raised earlier on. We were two one up, and those refereeing decisions were all made before we went two one up. We were saying that we were perhaps even the better team at two one up. Um, now I know that we were down to ten men, and you know that <laughs> that's the that's not good when you're trying to defend a lead, but. To lose 4-2 from that position with 10 minutes to go against a team that has created nothing all season. Absolutely nothing. And they've been abysmal. Second from bottom, have been battered left, right and centre. A team that's not won at home since March. To lose a game from that position, no matter what refereeing decisions have been made, is completely unforgivable. And you look at the goals, they're all of our own making. And that is, uh, I, I can't get my head around that. I, I, I can't let refereeing decisions get in the way of the, the problems that we've got at the moment. They're, they're, they are bigger than the... Maybe Southampton is possibly the most unjust I've felt, where, like, you know, Southampton, we, we really should have got more from that game because the referee was atrocious. Otherwise... However much of an annoyance they may be to the manager in particular, the players will feel very disheartened. The fans will feel absolutely helpless. They 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 can't be the biggest excuse. They 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 simply can't be. We've got to take this responsibility on ourselves as a club. Yeah, I was literally going to say the exact same thing about Southampton. Um, after that game, I don't think many fans came out disappointed with the team or angry at the team or angry at the manager because we played well and it it literally was the referee who controlled the game um, yesterday was the red card didn't help obviously but like Ben said when you, you're 2-1 up with 10 minutes to go and three goals from three of our own doing is yeah, that that you, that's where the anger's coming from. And yeah, you can say it wasn't a red card. The ref was on their side, but we didn't help ourselves. And at the end of the day, we were still winning with ten men, even with the ref on their side. And then to go and lose four two in ten minutes is yeah. But yeah, yeah, I'll move on. <laughs> yeah, moving on. I think we should. I think um, otherwise we're we're going to be here all night. <laughs> Um, right, let's let's round up the chat. Has anyone got anything else they want to add about the QPR game before we move on? Only thing I'd suggest, and this is a li- just a touch more manager chat. So, do we think he's lost the squad? I don't think he has. No, 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 it's way too early to lose the squad, right? And I think that's the only way we'd sack him. So, no matter what you think. He's here until he loses the squad. Okay, well, rounding off now, here's what Ben, our QPR sporting friend, had to say about the match. 
Hello, uh, Ben here from the W12 podcast, uh, QPR fan. Um, just to give you a bit of a um, review of the game on Tuesday night, um, I gave a bit of a preview uh, before the game. And um, yeah, I, I probably didn't think that I'd be giving this review. <laughs> um, scoring four goals and winning at home is is something that we haven't done since... Um, since the start of March, only our second win in, I think it's 28 games, 27 games in all competitions at home. So, um, um, yeah, look, you know, I thought, uh, my honest opinion of the game, we've just done our, our podcast um, yesterday. Um, so uh, the, the general consent around the group was that um, w- w- the penalty was harsh, um, really harsh on, on Steve Cook. Cook by Stevens. Um, having said that, there was one before that that probably was more a penalty on uh, from a corner that I'd, uh, looked a penalty on, in the replay. But I don't know whether the refs got that in his mind. But it looked really soft. I mean, it is a, put, a shirt pull, but um, um, but Lyndon Dykes has not been scoring, so still apprehensive about him scoring. So yeah, it could. A good goal for him, and then the game changed a little bit. Dykes threw on goal, um, misses, and then you you go the other end and grab the goal from the corner. And then honestly, at halftime, I thought there was only going to be one team winning in the second half. Um, really, because I actually thought Stoke played really well in the first half. I think um, on the ball, I thought you were really good going forwards, good movement um, with with your front three or four there. Um, and I, f- I feared the worst in the second half. Um, the the sending off again, like the penalty, uh, harsh. <laughs> um, but if I'm honest, as a QPR fan, you know we we've had so much go against us. You know, so many penalties that weren't penalties, red cards that weren't red cards. We've we've had, um, you know, I think we had we've had three or four letters from from the EFL apologising. So whilst it's frustrating for you guys. Um, you know, I think it's what goes around. It's come around for us, I've, you know, because I, 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 I would be frustrated if that red was given to us, even though, again, it was a slight sh- shirt pull. Um, but typical QPR fashion, we go and can see the goal. Good, great goal um, from Berger, I think it was. Um, I, did, I did think I, I you sat back a bit and sort of let us come at you. Um, which I mean, you're going to do with ten men, but I thought your subs sort of disrupted your you, you a little bit. And I, if I'm honest, I thought going forward Stoke were really good, but I thought defensively your back four looked really shaky all game. Um, was it Clark? I think it was his first game. He looked really rusty, and and, and um, but I just thought defensively you weren't particularly great. And um, yeah, and, I, and we rallied, and in, in, in the last. Uh, Sort of fifteen minutes. I mean, Dykes, who's who, who was probably going to be in for quite a bit of stick after that, goes and scores an absolute worldie, which yeah, which is great for him. Um, but then I just thought that just gave us all the emphasis, and 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 you know, it got our tails up, and we were just and and, and our manager Marty Sifuentes uh, stuck on four strike, like four striking, you know, attacking players, and and um, it, it was really difficult for you then, I think, to to hold on. Um, yeah, I heard um, Alex Neil's interview interview um, after the game, and whilst he's, you know, two big decisions go against you, um, yeah, I, d- I didn't think 
defensively you were particularly great um, but having said that with 11 men I suspect you probably would have gone on to win it so um, yeah frustrating for you guys but, but, but hopefully that will kick us on um, yeah and we'll meet again later on in the season Ah, cheers for that, Ben. Thank you. Right, so, man of the match. Actually, I don't think I put this poll out and somebody replied to me, oh, are you joking? And I went on a bit of a mini rant. So, slightly do apologise to that person if you're listening. <laughs> uh, Wouter Berger. He got 16 votes. He was the man of the match. John Ho was second and tied in third was Tyrese Campbell and Jack Bonham. Uh, so, yes, those are your money matches for the QPR game. Uh, right, let's now head into some youth new- team news, women team, and a bit of news as well. So, under 18. Now, last week they lost 3 0 away at Sunderland in the Premier League League Cup, uh, which is their third group stage group stage defeat in three games this season uh, but they do have the chance to avenge that defeat because they travel up to Sunderland again this week 11am kickoff on Saturday at the Academy of Light uh, also the FA Youth Cup third round draw was made we did get Bristol City away and now that has a date so Thursday the 14th of December 7pm kickoff at Ashton Gate so yeah everybody if you want to uh, if you fancy a long travel or if you're local to that area even uh, pop in and have that under 21s, so they didn't have a game this last week, uh, but their next game is actually on the day this podcast is going to be released. Friday the 1st of December, 7pm kickoff away at Aston Villa, uh, at Bodymore Heath Training Ground. And the women. So last week they made it through to the FA Cup third round by beating Stockport at home, uh, one by one goal to nil. The third round draw was made this week, and it's a bit of a tough one. They're away in Newcastle. So, yeah, away at Newcastle United, who did beat uh, the Potters 3-1 at Tyneside in September and are actually unbeaten in the league this season. So, yeah, not going to be an easy one for Stoke. But, yeah, if they can get through, they're uh, sort of one tie away from the uh, WSL sides coming into play. So, yeah, just uh, let's uh, cheer the the women on there. Uh, This week, they've also got another big game. They're at home to Nottingham Forest, Sunday, 2pm kickoff, and that match is going to be played at the Bet365 Stadium. So, yes, um, good luck to Stoke on that. I I heard on Radio Stoke the other day as well, they've got live, full live match commentary on that on Sunday afternoon. Actually, I was I was on with uh, Lucas on Tuesday before the QPR game, predicting a nice two 0 win that obviously never came about. Um, and yeah, he said that Sahela brought a nice foot heater with him that he felt tropical. It was that hot, so I did I did ask whilst we were whilst I was on there, Mike, if they could uh, you know ship a couple up to block twenty five, ready for uh, you know the, the game against uh, Sheffield Wednesday and Swansea coming up. And what was the answer? Uh, he said that he got the Amazon link, so yeah, so we'll have to see. We'll have to see if there's a couple waiting for his next game. Go on, Lucas, sort it out. Right, uh, a bit of any other business is the uh, big sleep out. So yeah, the big sleep out has been arranged. Obviously, raises uh, money and awareness for the Macari Foundation uh, in Stoke. So yeah, that is going to take place in February of next year. Uh, have either have any of you guys done it before? Ben, have you done it? Yeah, I did it last year. Um, it, it was really good, actually. Um, I got more sleep than I thought I would. Um, but I did sleep under 
one of the emergency lights in the concourse and I wish I'd have took an eye mask. Uh, <laughs> and and also my, my back was absolutely ruined the next day. Um, but apart from that, yeah, it was actually really good. Was it a bit of an eye? Um, I like stay with your back and stuff like that. Yeah, totally. I I think just how cold it can get and how lucky you are even to just have access to a mobile phone to keep you entertained. Like, you, you know, there were some people doing it properly. Some people brought their laptops and were doing work on it, you know. <laughs> it was very bizarre. Um, I must admit, I went sort of on my own in the end, so... Yeah, don't be wrong. I, I I think I managed to sit next to the only person in, in the entire stadium who was from one of the sponsors of the event and wasn't a Stoke fan, so we had nothing in common at all. I couldn't just ditch him in favour of somebody else, so I didn't have many people to talk to. Um, but yeah, it was really good. I'd, I'd, I'd totally recommend it to anybody. Mm, something to consider, Mike. Shall we, shall we have a, a podcast sleep out? Hey, that would make for an interesting episode, don't you think? Uh, you know, we could, hmm. Mind you, are we doing it properly? Like Ben says, then, if you're taking... I suppose if we got a... If you, if you record on your phone for that, but then put it away and didn't sort of play on it all night and whatever, I think that's that's acceptable, do you think, Ben? I think so. I think so. I I, I think that's that's worth it. Bear in mind as well, you get loads of food when you're in there. There's, there's pies, there's... There's sweets going around, there's soup going around, and the bacon sandwiches in the morning. Like, so you're not left to. You get more food at the sleep out than 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 I do at home. So <laughs> don't worry. And there's no queues. And and there's no queues in the concourse. Exactly right. I thought it was a little bit ironic that um, I was sleeping underneath, you know, one of the betting boards in a concourse. Um, I, I I thought it was a touch ironic that we were doing it for you know raising awareness for the homeless and uh and i was sleeping underneath a, a gambling advert essentially <laughs> yeah that, yes irony in that indeed um yeah i'm up i'm up for doing that i'm up for saying would you would you do it again ben would you go and join us i would um I I I might have to bring something a little comfier to sleep on because, like I say, my 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 back is, well, it's been bad for the last few years. To be fair, so, uh, but yeah, it, it, it was good fun. Yeah, my, I, I suffer a bit with my back, so I will uh, I'll join you in that and getting something a bit more um, padded out. What about you, Tom? Are you going to make it all four of us? Do you reckon they'll let me bring a divan bed in? <laughs> you could tow a caravan on the concourse. Okay. Yeah, yeah. In that case, I'm in. <laughs> it's just it's, yeah, open the double doors, just wheeling this this uh, kings and kings eyes back. Yeah, back it up. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm up for that. I think uh, yeah, all that. I know they've got the first four people signed up. We'll do it. <laughs> Um, yeah, on, on that note, shall we head into uh, shall we head into the Plymouth game? As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B two B, and advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B two B either. That's why if you're a B two B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. 
That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So, Plymouth away on Saturday. We have played them on 41 occasions. We have 19 wins, 13 draws and just nine defeats. At Plymouth, we've played them 21 times with six victories, six draws and nine losses. So, if you notice there, we're actually undefeated at home to Plymouth. In the nineteen in the twenty matches, we have though lost four of the uh, so four of the five last five trips to Plymouth and seven of the last eleven have all been draws. So it's a game that uh, yeah seems to be sharing the spoils when we head, head down to Plymouth. Uh, so Mike, I asked you didn't I when you were born the other day, and you you said uh, you know yes. quite close to my it's quite close to mine. I'm July eighty seven, and you are. Of December 88. Right, so, in our lifetime, since we've been born, Stoke have played at Plymouth eight times with no victories. <laughs> Stoke have not won one of eight trips since either of us were born. So that's or, is that, does that mean it's a little bit of like QPR, where they hadn't won at home uh, for 12 games? So, can we be yes. on that receiving end of... Of that look reversing for once, do you think? Yeah, I, I'm I'm all for that. I I always think I get worried when when a team have won like seven in a row and everyone's like, oh, they're banging form. I'm like, seven in a row. They're not going to win eight. <laughs> They've won seven in a row. They're, they're due. They're due to drop points. And in this instance, Plymouth are due to lose at home to Stoke. <laughs> so so yeah, let's hope that um, I think Alex Neal will be hoping that Saturday is the one. Um, Alex Neal versus Stephen Schumacher, the Plymouth manager. Just a one game they've met, which was a nil-nil draw at Plymouth uh, when Neal was Sunderland manager in April 2022. Uh, obviously, Alex Neal versus Plymouth, that's also the only game he's ever managed against them, uh, while Schumacher has never managed against Stoke. Obviously, this is his first job in management. Uh, Stokes away form. Now, we've picked up eight points away from home, which sticks us 17th in the away table. Uh, so interestingly, three times this season, both teams have scored in the Stokes away games. So, out of all the away games, 10 11 games where they've played, only three times both teams have scored. But in all three of them games, both teams went on to score two or more. So, if, this, if it gets one all, we know that the game's not over because there's at least another goal each um, in the, uh, for each side in that game. So, Plymouth's home form, 16 points, as them eighth in the home form table. All six of their wins this season in all competitions have all been at home. 
They're yet to win away. Every one of the victories has come at home. Last five matches, we have five points and are 18th in the form table. They have four points and are 19th in the form table. So, yeah, neither of them are in a great run at the minute. Um, Stephen Schumacher is now the second longest serving manager in the Championship, having been appointed in December 2021. Alex Neal, by the way, sits sixth in that list, August 2022. Um, only 11, only 11 Championship managers were still in charge on the final day of last season. More than half the league. Interesting. What do you think of this, right? So I had a look at the amount of points per game that each player in the squad has got this season. So if I was to say to you, who was who would you say was top of that list and who do you think's bottom? God. Um, is, is bottom top? I was going to say it's going to be something ridiculous yeah. that bottom is. <laughs> Um, the top one's not so the top two aren't so ridiculous the third one I think may surprise you um, the worst ones actually all three of them surprised me so top, the top ones first place is Ryan Mai with 1.73 points per game Andre Vidigal second with 1.67 which again plays into the fact that we were winning obviously before they got injured and then that's when we stopped winning <laughs> Uh, third place, 1.62 points per game, Jordan Thompson. Oh, please, no. <laughs> Is that because he's only played two games? <laughs> no, he's, he's played quite a few games as well, I think. Um, now, the worst, Tyrese Campbell and Bae Jun Ho, 0.5 points per game in games they've been involved in. And junior, Chamadeo, 0.75 points per game in games he's played. So I, because obviously all three of those, especially John Howe and, and Junior Chamadeo, have had sort of praise and why are they not playing more and that. Yet they've never, not really, been involved in any positive results yet. So it's interesting, isn't it? I thought um, I thought they'd have been a lot sort of you know higher up in that. In fairness to Chamadeo, he was only put in the team when we had all the injuries and there was nothing he could do, and he played extremely well considering the circumstances uh, referee so you'll be pleased to know with this I'll, I'll get into things so the referee is Sam Barrett um, so this season he's ref 13 games 49 yellows 2 reds he's given 5 penalties in his 13 games yeah <laughs> uh, 6 home wins 2 draws 5 away wins now a ref in Stoke 3 games He's only given us two yellows in those three games. He's given us no reds. There's been no penalties, but we've won all three and not conceded a single goal. He, he sounds like just the man we need right now. <laughs> um, the, the games he has left were the 4-0 win at Coventry last season, uh, the 1-0 away win at Wigan last season, and the 2-0 win in the FA Cup against Lake Orient the season before. So... Yeah, they will, uh, we'll take another one of them, please. I think there's a 3 0 missing there, and we have a 1, 2, 3, and a 4. Uh, he's ref Plymouth three times as well, giving them four yellows and sent off one of their players. Uh, no penalties. They've had no wins, two draws, and one defeat. Uh, they had a 3 3 home draw with AFC Wimbledon, a 1 1 draw at MK Dons, and then a 5 1 loss at Fleetwood. Uh, he made his Premier League debut in October, did Sam? 
And at 30, he was younger than both captains on the pitch, which were Tim Ream at Fulham and Chris Basham at Sheffield United. So, yes, that's my interesting fact there. Uh, on this day, Saturday the 2nd of December, 1911, well... I can see why maybe these were the, the OG naughty 40s because crowd trouble marred a 2-0 um, home loss to QPR and riots meant that the game was abandoned after 88 minutes. The FA decided the results stood and Stoke had to pay £4,000 to erect fences around the pitch at the Victoria ground. Is that because the referee uh, sent a player off and gave a penalty that wasn't meant to be, Shane? Still happens. He, is, our, our run goes all the way back there, does it? Pre World War One, VAR was needed. I think. <laughs> when I read that, I thought crowd trouble. Nineteen eleven, really? You wouldn't think you went back that far, would you? The tribalism of football was obviously well, uh, well and truly in there as early as then. Right. So before we get into the game itself. I think we should have a listen now. We've, so we've got a couple of audio uh, from our Plymouth supporting friends and also the ever-reliable, ever-ready, ever-present Graham McGarry. Hello there, you positive predictors. Well, can the results change? Can those refereeing decisions change? There's lots of questions being asked now about Alex Neal's side. How can they bounce back? Another defeat, probably a little bit unfair as well, the result. But that's how it goes when things are not going right. They've got to have the mentality, the application and the attitude of the players to turn their season around. It's a long, long trip down the motorways to Plymouth for the next game. A side who are just about holding their own has been promoted into the Championship. But a side that knows how to win games at home. And that's going to be the difficult test for Stoke City who at the moment can't buy a, a decent run of results. Perhaps it will all change down at home park, but then again, I'm not quite sure it will. Unfortunately, I don't think those fans who are making the trip are coming back with three points, but the good news is they're coming back with one. Plymouth one, Stoke one. Hello. Dan's asked me to give a an Argyle fan's view ahead of Saturday. Um, yeah, I don't know what to make of this one. The... Uh, the abused by referees derby and I, I saw your midweek uh, mishap and I think uh, we had similar up in Coventry although ours didn't include uh, flailing legs and a, and a weird fall over um, yeah how we're playing um, much better than the league table would suggest um, but still not good enough to pick up wins on the road however our home form is fantastic Um to be, you know, uh, I, I can't remember the number, but it's, it's single-digit uh, losses in the last um, two, three seasons, I, I believe. Uh, don't quote me on that one. I should really know. Um, but, yeah, it's it's Fortress Home Park for a reason. And we, um, we seem to manage to go up against anyone and everyone on our day. And we managed to get something apart from a couple of um, mishaps against Swansea and Millwall this season. At home, we've been fantastic. Um, I'm a massive fan of Alex Neal. Uh, I used to work for Norwich. Um, I have to get that into most pods um, of our pods. The, the, the boys would hammer me if I didn't. I used to work for Norwich. I used to work there whilst Alex Neal was there. Um, I thought he was a lovely bloke. Miserable when they lost, um, but he was he was nine out of ten most days. Um, top top bloke. Um, given time, I believe that he. 
you know, what have you, shooting up the league. But uh, it's not quite clicked um, for him there yet, has he? Uh, anyway, back to Argyle. Um, fans' morale is pretty good. I think we all expected to be um, down and around the, the bottom three. I think if, if you offered us uh, four from bottom at the start of the season, um, nine out of ten, there's that number again, would uh, have snapped your hand off for that. Um, I don't think um, we're naive enough to, to come up and, and think we should be uh, higher in the table as it stands because um, we're just out of the budget. We're the second lowest budget in the league. Um, yada, yada, yada. Well, us or Rotherham, you know, one of the two. Um, so we're either lowest or second lowest. Um, we've picked up some amazing signing some amazing bargains um a few to look out for um is obviously number one would be morgan whittaker um plays off that right flank not in the 10 but not in a winger role like an inside forward i believe they're called nowadays um he's one to watch uh, absolutely phenomenal player he's got five goals from outside the box already this season so uh, expect a, a couple of um wonder strikes from him um he will um just don't give him a chance to shoot, basically. He will, he's a bit greedy, um, but when they end up in the back of the net, you're not really that bothered. Um, who else to look out for? Um, Bally Mumba on the left hand side, uh, not, not playing as well as Morgan this season, but still a fantastic pickup for only a million pounds, which is our record transfer. So when you're comparing um, budgets, etc., uh, for our record transfer to be one million pounds is, um, laughable especially in this league as uh, you know Rotherham went and spent more than that on on Nombe a striker um, and you know ahead of Saturday oh other players to look out for sorry I'm getting sidetracked here the, um, would be Michael Cooper in goal who's not um, quite found form in this league yet uh, got two clean sheets in his first two games but um, back from injury back from an ACL that he'd suffered uh, last season uh, on on the way to us winning uh, the League One title with 101 points. Um, he's an absolutely phenomenal goalkeeper and I, I feel like he's slowly, slowly getting up to speed. The goal he conceded against Coventry was just a head loss from everyone. Everybody stopped playing after the ball was, um, I will say, quite clearly out of the pitch, but... Um, Others, mainly Coventry fans, would disagree. Um, who else? Then I'll give you a defender as well. Why not? I'll give you uh, Lewis Gibson. Um, Everton signed Lewis Gibson for £6 million um, as a youngster, or reported £6 million. We got him on a free um, after his contract was up at Goodison Park in the summer. Um, he's done a couple of loans for like Sheffield Wednesday and Bristol Rovers, and nothing... Nothing stand out, to be honest, but my God, um, he's come into our team and been an absolute rock at the back. He is our main centre-back. He is our number one centre-back. He is absolutely solid. Um, watch him go and have a howler against your lot now. Um, but yeah, things to do. Um, Dan's asked me, who makes you tick? You know, I've done that. And then um, those kind of things, mate, and a score prediction. A score prediction, I will go because it's at Home Park, Fortress Home Park. There are a lot of goals in most of our games, apart from on Tuesday night. Now we're a defeat to uh, Coventry. Um, I will say um, 3-1 
Plymouth Argyle Football Club obviously might be slightly partisan, might be biased. Um, anybody heading down to um, Plymouth is obviously a very long way. We know that um, everywhere is a long way for us. But if you get down there, I'm not sure what the weather's going to be like, but make sure you hit the... My, my highlights would be hitting the Barbican. Get down there, get yourself to Captain Jasper's and get yourself a Jasperizer, um, an absolute mammoth of a hot dog. Um, there's some lovely pubs and stuff down there as well. Um, we're not one of those cities that stops away fans going anywhere apart from the pub near the ground. So the pub near the ground, you have to get there proper early to get in um, because there's only like a pub there and a bar opposite the road, which is which is home fans only. But um, hit the city and get a taxi or a bus up would be my suggestion up to home park. Um, and then it's a nice little downhill walk back to the train station on the way out. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. Um, yeah, cheers, guys. Thank you. Cheers to that, guys. Cheers to that, Graham. Now, what are we thinking? Where, Where is the danger, Ben? Where is the danger of Plymouth? Um, they score a lot of goals, don't they? Um, I, I think I, I've, I've literally just read in the last five minutes that they, they've got, like, the fourth most goals per game. They've got, like, 1.6, um, which is not great for us because we don't score many. I think we're 20th for goal score per game so um, if our defence don't put their ideas up and considering we're going to have Jordan Thompson at left back most likely um, uh, and and of course uh, the the best goalkeeper in the division in between the sticks um, we, there's there's a chance we could get a bit of a tonking here oh, if no. we don't play very well <laughs> oh no <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I've changed my team. I had a team written down. You just said that I've now had to change it out. I'm sorry, sorry, big Wes, but you're not playing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the um, the danger man seems to be Morgan Whitaker, though, doesn't he? He, he he's he having a sensational season. Uh, scored some absolute whirlies as well, which um, Bonham doesn't seem to do pretty well with whirlies. He does very well, you know, rushing out of his box and when he doesn't have to think about a shot. But you know, any shot that he, he can see with five seconds to go. He, he just doesn't seem to do with very well, does he? What worries me a little bit, what Ben's just said, I mean, in their, in their last four games, they've scored nine goals. Their, their last four home games, nine goals. Like, we haven't had nine shots on target in our last four home games. Never mind, <laughs> nine goals. So, like, we, I mean, I, I think what Ben was talking about, like Thompson at left back, that's exactly what I can see him doing, but I think that would be a big mistake. Um, he, he'll we'll have to deal with Whitaker as well. Yeah, oh Christ. Um, let's just let's just go five at the back. <laughs> is, <laughs> is, whatever. Is Whitaker Ben? Is do you think Whitaker is possibly the the championship sort of best signing of last last summer? I think he's he's got to be up there, hasn't he? Considering... Value for money potentially. Uh, mm. it, it's 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 hard to say sometimes, isn't it? Because how how would you quantify? It? You know, yeah. if a defender's the best signing, or if it's a free transfer, or if you spend a bucket load of money. Um, he's definitely but... had the value to his team. I think he's sure. definitely got that to yeah. I uh, I think without him, the, they would be in the relegation zone because they're not doing well as it is. They're twentieth, aren't they? Um, which is weird for a team that scored, you know, the fourth most goals <laughs> in the league. So, I've, yeah, without 
people like him and I think is it Finizaz as well who they play um yeah without them I don't know where they'd be they they seem to outscore teams which is you know we were saying earlier that's what Alex Neal was trying to do um to to varying degrees of success um yeah it, it it's why I'm really not looking forward to this at all I mean, Whitaker's got his top, well, third top goal scorer, isn't he, in the division? I think he's got eight, um, eight goals already. So not much in the wings. It's not really somebody. Yeah, it's not. It's got. It's got to be someone you got to man mark. And uh, again, I, I, I'm not. I'm not going to claim to know their their other midfielders extremely well, but um, we could also be in the danger that if we try and man mark him, we're going to leave gaps somewhere else. So I think whoever comes in for the likes of Berger and, and bits like that, they, I think they've got to be workhorses. Um, I don't think we're quite ready to see Baker uh, at this point, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Josh Loren come in. I think um, I think he will be trying to do that box-to-box stuff. I think that's probably where, where, we'll, where we'll see him, which actually might be one of his better positions. Um, but whatever happens, we, I think we, you need to keep Whitaker quiet. Uh, but you know they're, they're they're more than just Whitaker. You know they they score goals. Various players chip in with goals. So um, yeah, I suppose it's probably a bit dangerous just to put everything on him. I think. You say you need somebody to man mark him. Michael Rose has just flipped his collar up. A la Eric Cantona says, "I'm your man." After his, that's his new role, isn't it? Man marking follows him everywhere. Um. Do you think, Mike, that obviously playing the front three that he did on Tuesday and how that game developed and how spent Campbell looked, how spent my definitely looked towards the end, do you think that's going to now really pose the, the manager a headache? Because if Plymouth are going to score plenty and they're going to leave gaps and, and we're going to, you know, it's, this is going to be a high scoring match. It's only going to be high scoring if we score goals. <laughs> Otherwise, it's not a high scoring match. It's just a drubbing. And if all of our best attacking players are they going to? Do you think they can recover in time to play again? Do you think that's going to be an issue? I think he will go with our strongest team. I think my Campbell and Vidigal will all play. I hundred percent do. I think one thing he might do is maybe learn his lesson and take them off a bit sooner if they're tired. I think that might be a bit of a wake-up call for him. I, I think I agree. If, if we're going to go there and win, obviously we've already established that Gale ain't the answer. Haksabanovic, if he's even fit, which I don't think he is, is he? I've the reports. But that was hamstring injury. There you go. So he's not going to be coming back firing on all cylinders anyway. Um, so what other options have we got up there other than Campbell, May and Vidigal? We're then all of a sudden very light, uh, I guess. So without putting Gale in, I don't think you've got much of a choice. I think we've got to go with them three. Um, and uh, he's going to have to just take them off. I think I think with Wesley, you know, I know you're a big fan of Wesley. Uh, I do like the guy, but also I think for a big guy, he doesn't off not hold the ball all well. Uh, strangely, um, and I don't think it's his type of game. I really don't, and I don't think he suits our style of play because, it, as much as it's great if he does hold the ball up, you need players close to him. And the problem we have whenever we play with him, we don't have people close to him other than my. So it depends on what point of the game you bring him on. So it's, um, yeah, I think we've got to go with them three, Dan, personally. 
obviously, Tom, we spoke there, didn't we, about Plymouth's sort of attacking threats and obviously how they're, they score plenty of goals and they keep coming forward. Um, do you think that is a style, obviously, that we do have success against? It's teams that sit in that we really struggle with. Could it play to our strengths that they want to play this way? Could we be you know, one of the few sides who actually get a positive result at Plymouth? Um, I'm going to say yes. If they are silly enough to, if they were to take the lead and they continue to come at us, I'm going to say yes. Because at the end of the day, we do play better against them kind of teams. Um, but going back to what Ben said earlier, this manager is going to know that we cannot score goals if they sit if they sit back. If they get any other goal and sit back, it's game over. Let's be honest. Um, so if they are silly enough to continue to come at us, then yes, it will play into our hands. But they're not going to play the same tactics and the same structure every game. And in my opinion, they're probably going to come into this thinking, right, let's sit back. We've got Whitaker up top. We're going to defend. We're going to hit them on the break. And that clumsy defence they've got is going to crumble sooner or later. Yeah, we we, we can't do the job that gets done on us. I don't think our defence is strong enough to, to sit back and take pressure. I think we have to be a team that looks to be progressive. Um, I think we temper it quite more than most teams as well. We're not like all out attack constantly. Is it is it a poor... Obviously, if we go there and lose, no one wants to go there and lose, but is it like... A ter- like losing at QPR was a terrible result, Ben. Like you said, no matter the circumstance, losing to a team like QPR is is a bad result. Is Plymouth the same? Because they are a bad side at home, are they? Um, it's not the same. Uh, to be fair, if we'd have lost 1-0 against QPR, I'd have been annoyed. Perhaps even... even you know, the same amount of annoyed. But I think the way we lost is more concerning than the fact that we lost, if that makes sense. Um, the concept of losing to Plymouth, I almost expect us to lose to Plymouth. Um, not necessarily because on on paper they got a better team or anything. It's it's more just the, the, the run of form we're in at the moment and the mindset and... I don't think we're going to outscore them, I think is the problem. Um, so unless we're able to nick a goal early and perform a reverse sort of masterclass where we're the ones who are, you know, telling Plymouth to come on to us and then we're able to break, because let's be fair, you know, whether it be the last year, the last five years or the last 15 years, we've been a team that's performed on the counter-attack. So in a way... It could play into our hands, but we've got to score a goal. The blessing is, you know, people like Ryan Mai being back, Tyrese Campbell being back. We've got the option of Vidigal and Larice on the wing. Um, Bae Jun Ho looks to be, he, he got, I mean, by all accounts, he was great against QPR. Um, and then we've got Pearson as well. So we've got a good attacking force in 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 concept. So I don't think there's no chance for scoring. But it very much depends on how Plymouth see the game as well, and and it's 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 more our our rear guard that I'm concerned about. Are we are we also really going to be playing Thompson at left back? Surely Junior has got to go to left back and Gucci right back, yeah. 
Yeah, that's exactly what I've got. I mean, Junior might as well not be at the club if, if the likes of Jordan Thompson as a midfielder gets in ahead of him. I know he's left-footed, but Junior came in and did perfectly fine at left-back. I've, yeah. got junior, I've got Junior at right-back, Gucci at left-back. If it, I'm, I'm Honestly, if, if I don't see Junior starting on Saturday, I'm going <laughs> to lose it. Um, how well he played in them games that he played in a poor side that had, what was it, 10 players out. And then Hoover has just completely cut him out when he's been, let's, he hasn't been horrendous, but he's been below par. The last couple of games, I'd say he's been horrendous with the mistakes, but Junior's 19, he's just been called up to Cameroon, two starts. He's probably full of confidence. He's got all the attributes. He's played good every game he's played for us, and he can't get a sniff, and I don't get why. What's the name? Henry. I've said it. I've said it over and over and over again, and people weren't seeing it at all. And I was, I was like, "Oh yeah, he's got to going forward." I'm like, "Since when? Like, he's he's good going forward last year. This year, he's been an absolute abomination for me. Uh, Henry needs dropping, and he needs to stay out of the team as well. I think Alex obviously saw it. He brings him on, and he cocks up again. Like, I don't know what it is with him. Whether he's trying to over overplay or. He thinks he's better than he is. I mean, the guy just needs to clear his lines. We, we, he, he isn't good enough to play that role. So it, it, he needs to be out of this team for a while now. And Junior deserves his chance. Yeah, I, I fully agree with that. I think after what he did with that third goal, I, I, he's lucky that there's... He's very lucky that we've got suspended players because I don't think he would have made the bench. And then Junior should have come in and... Like say, if Stevens was there, then Gooch is your natural substitute. The, the reason Junior isn't on the bench is because we've got Gooch who can cover all bases. So yeah, um, Henry's very lucky that he, like I say, he's even got a chance to be on the bench at the minute, or he should do after that game. Um, so for me, we've got I've gone Bonham in goal, Junior McNally, Clark keeps his place for me, and Gooch is a left back. Now Pearson. Is obviously a holding midfielder. Obviously, I did have Berger because I was thinking that he wasn't. Oh yeah, scribbled him out then put him in. Uh, but obviously, we've got no Berger, we've got no Johnson, so Loren's going to come in the midfield, and I think he's probably going to have to be joined by um, Bay for me. John Home is going to play there. I've gone for Larice Vidigal, and do you know I'm going to have. I'm going to have Campbell playing down the middle. We have Lewis on the right, Vidal on the left, and I play Ty Campbell down the middle. Uh, Ryan Mai, he's on the bench, but I don't think he's got another start in him after how he was towards the end of that game on Tuesday. I know he'll have a few days recover, but I think I'd rather have him coming off the bench with 30 to go and have a good solid option to come on. Um, like I say, I did, I did have Wesley starting, but I think we need we need goal threats. Um so, yeah, out of the two on, I think Ty the more likely to be able to recover and go again. So, yeah, he gets the start for me down the middle. Mike, have you got a side for me? Yeah, mine's actually quite similar to yours, um, to be honest, Dan. So, um, Bonham in goal, obviously. Uh, we've then got Gooch right back, Clark and McNally in middle, Junior at left back. You won't be surprised. Uh, Pearson, Loren and Juno, and then Campbell, Mai and Vidigal. I, I, I struggle to see past that one personally. Um, and by the way, I know we haven't asked for score lines, but we're going to lose 3 1. 
Wow. <laughs> um, ben, your side? Um, so, I may as well just run through back to front. So, I'll, I'll go Bonham. I think it'll probably end up being Gooch, McNally, Rose, and Thompson. I, I think he will go uh, with the left footer. Um, Pearson, Laurent probably to come back in. And I hope he sticks with Bay in the number 10 role. Um, and then I I think I'll go with Larice simply for the long ball out 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 to the right hand side. Um, Ty on the left just because he he's he's been playing reasonably well and been a driving force and something that we've been missing. I think he will go with my up front. Um, you, you know we did play on Tuesday rather than a Wednesday and 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 we're playing on the Saturday and I think you know Neil's been complaining that he's. That, that he's not got many minutes in his legs well now's the time to do it you know we've spent quite a bit of money on this lad and um you know we may as well run him into the ground uh, as as much as possible for this even if we take him off at half time or at uh, 60 minutes or so we we may as well get the use out of him because i think did he get a goal and assist last game you know he 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 seems to be the only one that's causing any danger at the moment so I'd, 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 yeah, I'd go with him. Okay, and Tom, your team? Um, I've gone Bonham, Gooch, McNally, Stevens, Chamadeo, uh, Pearson, Luron, and Bajun Ho, and then Campbell, Mai, and Vidigal, which I think is exactly the same as what Mike's got. But I'm going to put £10 on it now that Thompson starts left-back and Gale starts up top. Oh, you can't do that to all them Stoke fans who are travelling down there. Sorry. <laughs> At least leave me till 2 o'clock before they get that crippling disappointment. <laughs> um, score prediction, Tom? Um, I'm going to say 2 nil Plymouth. OK, and um, Ben? I'm going to say 2-2. Two, two. Okay, well, I'm going to say... Hmm, yeah, 2-2 two, two sounds a good result. I'm going to say 3-2 to Stoke, goal fest. Or all-out attack, but end-to-end classic championship. Is that, is that coming from 2-0 down, or is that we're 3-0 <laughs> up and we <laughs> collapse at the last minute? We've we've done that for this century. I mean, <laughs> can't do it again. Um, yes, I've, uh, yeah, I, I'm. Yes, I'm still optimistic. What well, I can't help myself. I do apologise. Sorry. <laughs> um, Super six, Mark. You are still one point ahead of me. We've both picked up eight points in midweek. Um, Liam Bullock, though, he has dropped below me and you. Uh, well, he's dropped level with me in one point uh, below you. But, yeah, you're up to 61st. I'm 62nd. Uh, you've got 151, I've got 150. Uh, David Ball actually picked up 18 points this week. He's the top scorer in midweek. Uh, Sean Flanagan, Stephen Hume, Jonathan Oldfield all got 13 points. 
to second for the week. And those 13 points for Sean Flanagan actually took him top of the table. He has 195 points. Michael Gadgeter drops down to second with 192. And Nicholas Yates maintains his spot in third with 186. Uh, ben, you do gaffer, don't you? I, 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 I do. I'm about to check my team for... I'm pretty sure it's the first time since September. Uh, who have I got? Anyone that's not in the... Yeah, I've still got Travers on my bench. Um, so that tells you how long I've not been using Gaffer for. Do you know, I, I'll i be honest, I haven't changed mine for a while. So I've got... I've had Vinny Gallo, he's done nothing for months. Um, right. So... We, here we are that's the thing we do in a podcast when the game's finished like an hour ago <laughs> Stoke is Bay maintains his position at the top of the table with 1,476 points at Jamie Gaffer is 1,408 in second and Anthony Hobbs is back in the top three above Thurgood Joe he's up to 1,398 overall um, yes I <coughs> sorry I am down in uh, Ben. You are thirty second with a one thousand and one Wesley Stripes. Like Ooh. it, nice name. Thank you. <laughs> You're ahead of me. I'm thirty six with one hundred and fifty two. I'm actually going to change my team now. I'm saying this, so watch out. <laughs> yes, we climb the league together. We start making some actual changes and using some of these boosts that we keep getting. <laughs> Um, yes, yeah, so congratulations to uh, the top three there and watch out for Ben on his charge up the table. Right, uh, one last thing is a little six towns challenge for you. So you can have, I'll give you three lives as a group to do this. Now, the other week we played Blackburn and we last Saturday and the question was who, along with Blackburn, who were the other six sides that we had the most victories against in our history? So I'm going to flip that question to which six sides, and there's actually seven, so this is a seven-town challenge. I'll have to include someone else, like, I don't know, Kidsgrove or someone like that, to Stoke-on-Trans. So which seven sides have we had the most losses against in our history? Who wants mm-hmm. to give the first guess? Man United. You want, go, you want to go with Man United? I don't know. I feel pressured now. <laughs> you, do, you want, do you want to do this as a group and confer, or do you want to go one to each other and do it on your own? I'm just trying to think. I think I know who might be top. Is it Sunderland? Sunderland? Yeah. They are top of the shop. 64 defeats in 140 matches against Sunderland, more than any other club. Try and think, because we did hover around the top division for a bit, didn't we? Yeah, and that's why I think Liverpool's in there as well. Yeah, I'm tied between Liverpool and United. But... I'm going to go Chelsea. So who, what's your next guess then? As a team, what are we going for? We can go with Mike's. Yeah, let's give it a go. Chelsea? Yeah. 11th on the list with 44 defeats. Oh. 
Liverpool. Let's go Liverpool. Liverpool. Liverpool are second. Sixty-three defeats. Sixty-three defeats from one hundred and twenty-six games. The most away defeats of any club. Forty-seven defeats we've had at Anfield. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of the founding, the founding teams who we've always kind of <clears throat> been around. What about, what about Wolves? Wolves. I, 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 I think Wolves. Forest. Because um, you've got to think like some of these will be like yeah. you, you know Midlands Premier or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. it probably was back in the day. Wolves, exactly. I think, is a good yeah. shout. Wolves. Wolves are third on the list. Oh, Fif- look at this. 58, Oof, yes. defeats, 58 defeats in 140 matches. We've not lost against any other side at home more than we've lost to Wolves. 21 <laughs> times they've beat us on a home patch. Okay, with um, the same one, logic then. One... West Brom? Ooh, West Brom? Oh, we always beat West Brom. <laughs> Uh, oh, uh, is this, oh, you, said, six, you see, I think Dan gave one away accidentally last week to me. Derby County definitely up there. I was literally just about uh, to say Derby. Got to be. I can't remember what you said, Dan, last week, but I swear you gave one away last week. Um, so Derby's got to be up there, but West Brom... Go Derby, know, go think, Derby. What I might have said was that we have conceded more goals against Derby, 219, than at any other side in our history. Uh, and that puts them fifth on the list with 51 defeats. Hey. So that's first, second, third, and fifth. You So you just need fourth, sixth, and seventh. Sixth uh, and seventh are tied, hence why there's an extra one. <laughs> what? What? Everton. Everton? I don't Everton. know if you two want to go with Everton before I want that in. <laughs> I think it's What's decent. What's the rationale behind Everton? We've just, there are no, I'm just thinking of like the older clubs who we've kind of hovered around and obviously 10 years in the Prem and I don't think we did that well against them. Okay, and what number? So we're looking for fourth and what, Dan? Fourth and... Fourth, sixth, and, well, fourth and then the two clubs who are joined sixth. Go Everton. Oh. I, I, I'm, I'm really Everton. not sure. I think there's another Midlands club in there somewhere, but I, I don't know. Everton are fourth on the list. Oh, my God. Well done. It's, oh, great shout, mate. Well done. I'll I tell you what it is. My granddad always used to tell me about when we were in the top division and Everton used to spank us. Well, they did because we have 58 defeats against Everton in 124 matches and the worst goal difference than any other club, minus 79. Damn. So, yes, so you've got the top five. You're just looking for the two teams now. They were sixth and seventh. So, the so reason why... They've both beat us 47 times. Right. The reason why I think West Brom is because they're founding members of the Football League like we are. It's not going to be any of these teams that have been founded in, like, 2007 or anything, is it? It's, it's, it's going to be an old team, is my thinking. All of these teams are pretty old. Yeah, I think you're out there, you know. Yeah, so you're going for West Brom? Yeah, let's go for it. Okay, so West Brom... Oh, we turned we the page. Last, <laughs> we said last week, didn't we, that there was 63 wins we'd had against West Brom, which was the most more than any other club. 
46 defeats, which is one short of being on this. <gasps> they no. no. They are eighth on the list. That's dreadful. Okay. Um, right, so, okay. Who, who else are all, all, all teams? Well, I said there's another Midlands one. You've got to... You, what about Villa? It could Villa, be Villa. We've played Villa a number of times in the past. We will have done, yeah. Aren't they founding members of the Football League as well? Just getting involved in your chat here. <laughs> <laughs> You're not helping us then, Dan. Maybe. Uh, yeah, I think Villa's a good shout. I think it might be as well. But I'm, I'm, oh. I'm done after Villa. Oh, I'm, we've I got one mic left, haven't we? Oh, wait. Yeah. Oh. Go. I'm. I'm confident on Villa. Go. Yeah, go Villa. On. But I'm, I'm genuinely. I'm done after that because I'm out of teams. Right. Aston Villa, forty-seven defeats. They are one of the two clubs you're looking for. Oh, <laughs> well done. hundred and six yes. games against them. Forty-seven have been defeats. Right. It's down to you boys now because I'm done. <laughs> you are my <laughs> One more club. And it's, I'll give you a clue, it's 47 defeats from 86 matches. So that's not very many. Yes, that means they're a top That means club. they're good. If you're losing one in two, over one in two. Now, I know we beat them a fair bit, but every time we play Arsenal away, we lose. <laughs> Arsenal's a good shout. And I know we've lost against them in like the cup a few times and stuff. But are they? See, it could be someone like United. I, the... see, I, I had Preston in my head before I heard that record. Hmm. Because they're 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 old as well, aren't they? Oh. Clue down. All <laughs> the all the other <laughs> no, no, right Come now. on, come on! It's a coin toss. It's a coin toss, isn't it? I think. What, what colour strip are they playing? Oh yeah. <laughs> Um, oh god! So just, just I, I think we'll have played Preston more than eighty-two times. That's a good point, actually. So I don't think it's Preston. I think it's probably someone like, like an Arsenal, someone that's good enough to beat us around more than half the time. See, half is. <laughs> At the same time, half against Arsenal. I think they would have beat us more than half of the games. But but you know, in the Premier League, we we beat them at least five six yeah, times. That's, yeah, that's true. Arsenal executive decision. Go on, yeah. go on, Arsenal. You go with Arsenal. Yeah. Yeah. Now, <laughs> <laughs> let me run through the clubs you said. You mentioned Man United, didn't you? No. 39 defeats to Man United. Actually, got a quite historically quite a good record against them. So it's not that. You then mentioned Preston. They have eight. They have forty-six, which is one off the list. (gasps) West Brom. But how many times have we played them? Must be, yeah, over a hundred. Yeah. Now, Arsenal. 
are 46 as well. There are no, no kidding me. No. One off. <sighs> it was, in fact, their North London rivals, Tottenham Hotspur. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Shit. I wouldn't have <laughs> Yeah. And we've only ever scored 92 goals in 86 games against Spurs as well, which is, um, yeah, quite bad. I seem to think Spurs are just pushovers. We we must we we taught them how to be Spursy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we are the original. Should be Pottersy. That's what it should be, not Spursy. I wouldn't have thought we would have played them that many times, to be honest. But I suppose if you look at it, 86 times, probably chucking a few cup ties like Ben was saying, that's probably yeah, that's true. 40 mm. seasons. I reckon yeah. we'd be in the top flight 40 seasons probably with them, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah, it's a good show, actually. Yeah. You know what? I, um, I'm chuffed with that. Five out of six is cracking. Very well. You're very close. And if it wasn't for... If it wasn't for um, I don't know, whoever was in charge when we were last to the Premier League losing to Spurs, then you'd have got it, wouldn't you? Because they wouldn't have been on the list with one last defeat. So yeah, blame but... blame Mark Hughes or Paul Lambert. Yeah, blame Gareth Bale on that volley. Yeah. True, true um, Daniel, before we forget, um, we mentioned about his, we had the Spotify wrapped today, didn't we? Uh, we wanted to, to just say thanks to everybody who's shared their Spotify wraps. Um, we've had loads of them through, to be honest, and it was pretty, uh, pretty ridiculous. Uh, where a lot of where, where we were finishing on on some people's. I mean, there was like six, I think like six thousand hours on one, four thousand hours on another. Uh, like it's absolutely nuts uh, that you know you guys listening. Um, I saw as above like the Peter Crouch podcast and the Diary of a CEO, which is some brilliant podcast, to be honest. So uh, it's just really a thanks to everyone who's uh, who sent them over to us. It's it's pretty humbling, really, when 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 you see that. It's pretty it's pretty stupid. Like it feels crazy. Um, so uh, yeah, thanks, thanks for people. With us. <laughs> yeah, cheers for sticking with us, and uh, no doubt people use it to fall to sleep uh, every night. So all those hours are just people playing one podcast over and over and over again because they never actually got through it because we just bored them to tears. Um, so, yeah, or yeah. they, they, they put it on, they fell asleep within five minutes, and it's just played continually through the night. Through the podcast, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I also, think uh, so. today's podcast will keep them up. <laughs> Just keep waking up. Oh, what's he shouting? What are you shouting at now? <laughs> um, but yes, I, like I said, there, Mike. Yeah. In all seriousness, thank you everybody for your continued um, support and listening in. Um, makes it all sort of even more worthwhile. We love just sitting down and chatting football anyway. Um, but yeah, knowing that it goes out to you guys and you enjoy listening so much and you're so, so regular with your listening as well, it's just um, feels amazing to us that sort of you are so interested in what we have to say, to be honest. So yeah, thank you. And uh, yeah, we look forward to um, being on more lists in 2024 and we'll strive to uh, yeah keep keep providing the content that you love to listen to. Uh, on that note, unless there's anything else anyone wants to add, I think that's uh, time to wrap this one up. Hey. Um, I like we did yeah. there. <laughs> time, time to go. Well, yes, thank, hey, thank you, you for joining us. Alone, ben. <laughs> 
Well, thank you for joining us, Ben. Thank you for joining us, Tom. And thank you for jumping on as soon as you could, Mike. Um, yeah, it's been a long one. I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, it'll certainly keep those going down to Plymouth. It'll keep them occupied for that long journey down. Uh, and hopefully you can celebrate on the way back with three points. Go on, Stoke. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.